Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, AJ Hogue, where AJ's more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's AJ with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. I'm AJ Hogue, the author of Effortless English, Learn to Speak English Like a Native. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. One dollar for a 10-day trial of my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Talking to you from the rooftop of Namba Parks. It's a rooftop park here in Osaka, Japan. Quite nice, actually. Top of the roof, basically a big garden on top of the roof of uh, kind of a tall building next to Namba Station. It's got several levels. Trees and bushes and flowers and lots of green. That's a nice little place to come in the uh, in the middle of the city, you know, the city, just lots of buildings of concrete and steel. You come up here and be around trees and bushes and flowers. Very nice. Last night's show was live, live on Facebook. And I played a little piece of an interview from John Taylor Gatto, one of the great minds of education, author of Dumbing Us Down, which, by the way, is our next book club book, Dumbing Us Down. It is a book about the modern education schooling system, the system used everywhere in the world now. A system like a like a disease, like a virus that has invaded every country in the world. This industrial schooling system. And of course we discussed many of the evils of this system yesterday. Schooling is what I would call false education. False education evil false so let's talk about the other side of that what is true education what is right or true education the positive side of it again if we look to nature in the natural way of things, if we look to our ancestors and hundreds and thousands of years of human history, if we look to small children and the way they naturally learn before they enter school, I mean, much of learning, in fact, probably the greatest amount of learning in a human's life happens in their first five or six years. Think of how much that little baby learns in such a short time. I mean, they start off as a little baby knowing nothing, almost nothing, 
you know, they, they can't even feed themselves, <laughs> okay? I mean, they can't even survive by themselves. And in five or six years, they become fluent in their native language, perfectly fluent, something that adults have a hard, hard time doing in another language, in a foreign language. Even in five or six years, most adults cannot speak a foreign language perfectly with a perfect accent. And yet, these little guys do it. They learn to crawl, they learn to walk, they learn to feed themselves. They begin to learn to read at that age. A lot of them by age six or seven can read fairly well. I mean, they learn to do everything. And all the, the, the basic things of life they learn in those first six or seven years. It's pretty amazing, actually, when you think from where they start with almost nothing at all. And they master that language, that native language, without any books, without any study, without any classes. Pretty amazing. So if we look at that, I think we can see the roots of a true education where we can see the difference between the false education we discussed yesterday and true education. And true education, number one, has certain roots, certain beginnings. It, true education grows out of these roots. And, and the, the, the strongest, the most important root of true education is curiosity. Curiosity drives or powers true education. When we look at little babies, when we look at small children, even after the age of six or seven, I mean, what is the power that makes them such incredible learners? I mean, everywhere in the world, everyone acknowledges that small children are incredible learners that they can learn so much you know people say things like you know their brains are like sponges right they they just suck up learning they seem to learn so easily so quickly so naturally i mean how why well i think the number one characteristic the the number one superpower that these children have is intense, incredibly powerful, incredibly strong curiosity. They are curious about everything. And it is an extremely powerful curiosity. They want to explore everything. I mean, it's kind of a joke, right? I mean, people joke about it. Adults joke about children, for example, always asking why, 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 right? Why is the sky blue? And then as adults, right, always struggling to think of answers to these questions. But they're asking questions just obsessively, curious about everything. Asking what, asking how, asking why, endlessly about everything they see and experience in life. And that's why for small children, you don't need to put them in a class. You don't need to 
punish them if they don't study. You don't need to do any of that stuff because they are learning maniacs, crazy learners, right? You can't stop them from learning. You can't stop them from learning. It is their number one purpose in life is to learn, 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 explore, and ask questions. You take a small child to a park and you just put them on the grass, what are they going to do? They will start picking stuff up and looking at it. They will just start walking around and looking at everything and picking everything up and maybe putting it in their mouth. How does it taste? (laughs) If they can talk, they'll start asking you questions about it. They will examine things. They are extremely curious about life and the world in which they live. Without curiosity, there is no true education. This is one of the greatest evils of the school system. The school system kills this natural curiosity. In school, if a child starts asking questions about a different topic than the class, they will be punished. They will be told to be quiet. Stop asking questions about bugs. This is math class. And if they keep asking the questions, oh, go sit in the corner or have some punishment because you are disrupting the class. You're causing a problem for the class. You're distracting everybody with your constant questions about other things. Your desire to get up and explore and run around and grab things and pick things up and look at things. Can't do that. You must sit still in your chair and study the subject that the teacher is pushing you to study right now. Curiosity is discouraged. No wonder kids get bored in school. Those evil adults are crushing their natural curiosity, destroying true education, replacing it with propaganda, with control, with authority, wrong authority, false authority. So the, uh, the opposite, which is true education, is curiosity and exploration. Curiosity and exploration. This is also the root of true science that we've talked about previously. The true scientists, not the fake corrupt ones, which are most nowadays fake and corrupt, but the true ones were curious. They were exploring the world. They're asking just like children, why and how, why and how, trying to find truth in, in, the, in the bottom of it all is the quest, the search for truth. What is true? What is true? And of course, what is false? But the schools don't care about this. They don't care about what is true or false. They only teach what is required. For the school systems, that is the question. What is required? What must you memorize? The teachers never even ask themselves or question, is this true? Is this what I'm teaching in the textbook? Is this actually true? Or is it false? They just accept it. 
And they punish the kids if they don't just accept it. If the kids start asking questions and challenging and wondering and trying to think for themselves, they get punished. Punished with bad grades, punished in other ways. Shut up, sit down, and memorize what we're telling you to memorize. Learn what we're forcing you to learn, or you will be punished. What's great about true education is that it is self-reinforcing. It means it makes itself stronger. See, curiosity leads to even more curiosity. That's what's so cool about it. What's so great about the natural way of learning. Use my nephew as an example again. He, he, he started off interested in, uh, let's say he's interested in uh, mushrooms. It was one of his first interests as a little child. Interested in mushrooms. He starts to learn about mushrooms. He starts picking mushrooms. He wants to read about mushrooms. Have his mom read about mushrooms and tell him. As he starts learning more and more and more about mushrooms, what happens? He becomes even more curious. And as he's looking around the world and he's picking mushrooms and he's finding mushrooms, guess what? He starts to notice other things. He starts to notice acorns. And then he becomes super curious about acorns and he starts collecting acorns and then asking about acorns and learning about trees and then as he's out there looking at trees and acorns and mushrooms he starts to notice bugs and he starts getting interested in bugs and now he's curious about bugs and it just leads on and on and on like true science as well one question creates 10 new questions one answer creates 10 more questions It's a never-ending search for more truth. True education does not need force. It does not need grades. It does not need fear. True education powers itself and grows and grows and grows on its own through more and more and more curiosity. It's the joy, it's the happiness, it's the enthusiasm of exploration and curiosity and questioning and learning and finding truth and searching for more truth and searching for deeper truth. Because see, each truth leads to questions that lead to an even deeper level of truth. And if we seem to have a natural purpose as human beings, it seems to be this, the great search for truth, deeper and deeper and deeper truths. true understanding. In my own small way, like how did I learn to be a teacher? How did I learn and, and, and develop this effortless English system and my way of teaching? You know, so many times on social media, you, you guys say, oh, you're such a great teacher. We love you. You're the best teacher in the world. And I get these great comments. Well, how did I learn that? Did I learn that from some super teacher training program? Did I go and get a four-year degree in teaching English and that's how I did it? No. Now, I did actually get a degree in teaching English. But I did that because I thought, well, I needed that to get good jobs. And later, I figured out I didn't need that. But, oh, well. But that's not what taught me. No, it was a curiosity. It was simple curiosity. It was 
being in the real world, in this case, the real world of teaching English, so having a real class teaching real students English with very little experience, with very little understanding. That's how I started. And in those first jobs, I just followed the textbook, I followed the system, I did what every other teacher does, doing what my bosses told me to do, what was expected. But the difference was this, I was curious. I was curious. Curious about what? I was curious, how can I help my students learn a language? English. And I was especially curious because I didn't speak any other languages. Still not great. <laughs> so I began to ask, well, well, how can I do it then? How can I do it? Hmm, how can I help them speak English? How can I help them speak my language? I don't know. And then as I first I thought, well, let's see. I'll, I'll try these methods that from the textbooks. This, everybody else is doing this, so this must be the way. But instead of just blindly accepting that, I did it, but then I was curious, started asking questions. Is it working? Are my students improving? Are these methods helping them? And the more I started getting curious about the results, the real results for my students, and I began to ask them and observe them, well, the answer I got back was no. No, this is not helping them very much. No, they are not getting much success with these methods. And so then I started at, well, why? Why not? Started asking more questions, got more curious. Why not? Why aren't these methods working? And I began to discover many of the problems that we talk about with schools and with the grammar translation textbook methods. And then that led to more questions. Well, hmm, if this doesn't work, what's a better way? What's a better way? And then that led to several years, several years of me just trying lots of different methods. I began to just experiment with different methods. I began to search for other methods, other teachers, other ways of teaching English. And whenever I found another way, another method, I would try to do it in my classes. I would say, well, I don't know. They say this is a good method. Let me try it. So I would try it. I would try doing it. And sometimes it would give a good result, sometimes a bad result, sometimes so-so result. Then I started asking more questions. Well, how could I improve these methods? What could I do to make this method better? You know, if I got a good result, let's say with uh, TPRS, TPR storytelling, I would say, well, how can I, how can I improve this? And how could I teach more people with this? Because that was another big question I had. Because I realized, well, in a classroom, I can only help, you know, a small number of people. The number of people just sitting in the room. That's not very many people. There are millions of people trying to learn English. How can I help more of them? And that of course, led me to audio and video and the internet. And then I had to ask, well, how can I use some of these good methods? How can I adapt them? How can I change them to make them effective with audio, with video, with the internet? And I just kept 
this process never ending. I'm still doing it now. I'm still asking these questions now. Still looking for interesting methods. Still looking for ways to improve. And because of this, by the way, another advantage of this, you know, from my perspective as a teacher, from my viewpoint, I'm still interested. I'm still enthusiastic about it. I'm still learning. Right now, I'm doing these podcasts every day. This is another new way, another new thing I'm doing. Doing these daily podcasts. So it never ends for me. It's a natural form of self-education where I'm forever, as long as I'm alive, I'm training myself and, and learning myself for teacher education, how to be a better teacher, how to be a better coach. This question never ends for me because it's based on curiosity. It's based on exploration. There's nothing at all to do with some degree program or some schooling program or getting some piece of paper. Now I have a master's degree. I know what I need to know. Nothing about that at all. That's false education. This is true education. So sometimes language teachers ask me online, like, how, how do I become a better teacher? How do I become a great teacher? You know, should I go to school? Do I need to get a master's degree? No. You have to be naturally curious, you have to explore, you have to experiment. It's a never-ending process. As long as you are a teacher, you have to be doing this. It's true education. You have to educate yourself in this way based on exploration, natural curiosity. No paper, no degree program will ever give you that. As you know, I developed my own courses, online courses, audio, mostly audio. I find that audio is best. Why do I like audio? Because you can do audio lessons anywhere. With video, uh, a little harder. You can't do video while you're driving, right? It's dangerous. <laughs> while you're walking, video's not great either. Again, it's dangerous. You, you know, fall down or walk into something. You need to look where you're going. But audio, you can do anywhere. You can do while you're doing other things. While you're washing the dishes, you can listen to audio lessons. While you're driving a car, you can listen to audio lessons. While you're walking around or exercising, you can listen to audio lessons. That's why my courses are audio-based. And also because you need to learn with your ears not with your eyes. That's one of the important seven rules of effortless English. Learn with your ears, not with your eyes. My VIP lessons are audio, of course. Now, the VIP program is a membership program, monthly membership program. You get lessons every month. It's designed to bring you to advanced levels of English speaking, to get you to that advanced level. Sometimes it's hard to move, to jump up to advanced. Your, your intermediate level, you feel stuck, and to jump up to that advanced level feels difficult. What you need is some specific training, which is what my VIP lessons do. 
and you need a lot of repetition, which is why my VIP lessons use a lot of repetition. You're repeating those lessons every single day. You're getting a lot of repetition with each lesson. Inside each lesson, I design them to have a lot of repetition. And then, of course, every day you listen to those same audios for many days, for a couple of weeks. Repetition, repetition, repetition is the mother of skill. So... Join my VIP program. Go to EffortlessEnglishClub.com. EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Join my VIP program. There's a nice idiom in English. I don't know who first said it. Uh, Alan Watts used to say it a lot. Tony Robbins uses it a lot. I like it too. Here it is. The map is not the territory. The map is not the territory. You could also say the map is not the land. But the actual idiom is the map is not the territory. Territory means land or area. So what does that mean? Well, it's just it's it's an obvious thing, right? If you have a map, let's say you have a map of Osaka. You're in your hometown. You're looking at a map of Osaka. So, is the map useful? Yeah, it's useful, especially if you come here. It can help you find things. It can help you get from one point to another point. So, the map is certainly useful. However, is the map that the same thing as the real city of Osaka? No, of course not. It's not even close. Just looking at the map... You, you, have, you have no idea what the real city of Osaka looks like, sounds like, feels like, is. It's just a piece of paper in the end. So what this idiom is saying is that the words or the image or the map or the theory or the ideas are not the reality. Theory is not reality, right? Book learning is not reality. Ideas are not the same as reality. For example, before I traveled to India, my first trip abroad, which I have discussed many times. Well, before I went, I did a lot of research. I read a lot of books about India. I read a lot of travel guides. I planned my trip. I read about places to stay. I read about each city I was planning to go to. I read about, you know, things to be careful about. I read about the customs. I read about the people. I read about the places. And I felt like I had all this knowledge of India in my mind. But of course, <laughs> when I actually arrived in India, whew, and I got the full shock of the real place, the real people, the sights, the sounds, the smells, overwhelming, overwhelmingly different. Of course, it was nothing like I had imagined it. I had, did, did the, the book learning and reading help me? It did help me in some ways. I mean, it helped me not get cheated as much. I, it helped me deal with some of the dangers in India to travelers. So when people tried to cheat me, I, I was a little bit more cautious, although I still got cheated a few times. But still, the reality, the real India, 
cannot be described by a book. You can read and read and read about India for years and years and years, but you will still never truly understand unless you go there. You'll, you have to have the direct experience. And see, this is a good example, a good metaphor for school learning or even any kind of book learning. School is false education because you never actually get in the real world and do anything. It's all just a bunch of theories and ideas from books. You have no idea if they're true or not true. You're not exploring the real world. You're just memorizing a bunch of sentences. It's like memorizing a map of Osaka and thinking you know Osaka and you understand Osaka. You don't. You have no idea. It's just a paper you're, with some lines on it. You have to come here to experience Osaka, to have any understanding what the city's like. And that's true with all education and all learning. You have to experience it. You have to experience the direct reality. The book, learning the ideas, can be helpful with dealing with that reality sometimes. You can learn what other people think about the reality. You can learn what some of their answers are. This helps you to think about it. But how do you know if their answers are good or not good? Well, you have to experience the reality yourself and then you can judge that. I find in general, often it's better to jump into an experience first in terms of real education, real learning, I find often it's best to get experience first, then later get some of the ideas and the book learning and the theories from several other people. Then I compare that to the experience I had and it helps me maybe understand my experience a little better. Most people do the opposite. They're so focused on all the book learning and the memorizing and the ideas and the theories first and then it they fill their minds with this and then when they finally have the direct experience they don't learn from that direct experience because they already have too many ideas they've already decided what they think is true and so they don't focus and pay attention they don't notice the reality instead their mind is too full of the ideas and so they they have a lot of trouble learning from reality. They're addicted to these books and these theories and these ideas. Again, I'm so... I, I like talking about the entrepreneur, you know, starting your own business. Not because you have to start your own business, but because it's such a clear example of this. The people I find that usually succeed as entrepreneurs are the ones who just jump in and, and do it and they don't get too lost in theories and planning and books and ideas and on and on they just jump in and do it often they fail often they have problems and mistakes but they're jumping into the real world and they start learning from the real world they learn how to have true education again, right? They're truly educating themselves in the real world through observation, through thinking about their own experience, through noticing carefully, through 
experimenting and trying things themselves. And then later, they will possibly read some books about a problem they're having. Let's say marketing, right? A common problem that all entrepreneurs have, how to market, how to reach people. So often they'll just try things first. They'll jump in, they'll try things, they'll struggle. They'll try things, they'll try things again, they'll try things again, fail, 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 fail. Ah, They get all these results, they notice, they observe. Then they'll go read some books on marketing. Guess what? They will understand those books so much better because they have that experience first. They will be able to find useful ideas from those books because they already have experience in real-world learning. But most people do the opposite. They read 100 books on marketing first, and then they just become confused. Or then they try to decide in their mind, oh, this book is good and this book is bad. This, this, these ideas sound good. These ideas sound bad, but how, did they, how are they making that decision? They have no clue. They haven't actually done it. Just because an idea sounds good or sounds logical does not mean it's true. And often, quite the opposite. Often the ideas that sound the best, often the arguments that sound the best, are in fact wrong. Do not, in fact, work. And often what seems strange or weird or not logical is what will actually work in the real world. And the only way to find this out is through that real education in the real world. Curiosity, exploration, experimenting, trying things, noticing, and most of all, asking questions, asking questions, asking questions, and trying to find those answers yourself. Just the process of doing that, even if you don't find all the answers, you never will find all the answers. Just the process, though, of exploring and questioning and noticing is super powerful. This is why homeschooling is super powerful. Because at the center of homeschooling, is the same curiosity and exploration. The child's natural curiosity and questions lead the homeschooling. And and an extra benefit, by the way, of this is that with homeschooling, usually the parent's own curiosity wakes up. Often with the parents, the adults, their curiosity has kind of gone to sleep because they, too many years in school, too many years working. But by homeschooling their own children, their children's curiosity, their children's enthusiasm, their children's questions start to wake up their own questions again, start to wake up their own curiosity again, start to wake up their own enthusiasm again. And then, like I was saying yesterday, then the process of homeschooling becomes a family journey. A journey where parents and children are doing it together. Of course, yes, the, you know, in, a, in the main way, of course, the parents ultimately are the leaders as the adults. 
but the children are contributing tremendously as well. It's 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 cooperative, right? Parents and children cooperating together, learning together, exploring together. And if you have more than one child, this is also great because then your children are cooperating together, learning together. Right? They're not competing for grades to see, oh, um, I, I got good grades and you got bad grades. Right? The schools create this false and ridiculous competition. Competition isn't necessarily bad, but it, it's certainly idiotic to have a competition in terms of education. It's ridiculous. Doesn't, there's no benefit to it. And so you can see how this process would naturally make your family stronger. It naturally creates a stronger connection between parents and children. It also naturally creates a stronger connection between children, brothers and sisters. It makes them closer instead of farther apart. Because now your children, instead of being put into classes in different ages, right? Maybe one child's in fifth grade and the other one's in third grade. They're separate from each other all day learning completely different things. Instead, they're together with you in the home, learning together. Now, of course, the fifth grade child is learning things that are more advanced. But still, that fifth grade child can help to make the third grade child uh, more curious about some things, can help to explain some things to the younger child. And the younger child's curiosity and questions can also inspire the older child. They cooperate together in learning and exploring. And they grow closer together, have a more positive relationship as brother and sister, brothers and sisters. And just imagine how wonderful that is as they grow up and become adults to have that close relationship with their brothers and sisters as they get older. I mean, imagine how helpful and wonderful that is for them. Even as their parents get older, even when their parents die, that they have each other. Another great benefit of true education. Things work so much better <laughs> when we follow nature when we follow our own natures than trying to force things and control things from above. That's what the school systems are doing. It's the powerful, right? The, the politically powerful trying to force and control everybody else through mind control, through propaganda in a factory-like system. It just creates suffering and ignorance. But when we do the opposite, when we follow the natural way, when we let the natural curiosity and exploration that all humans have naturally from birth, from babies, when we just follow that and build on that, <laughs> everything works so much better. You get better results in terms of knowledge get more confidence, greater success in all parts of life, and just as importantly, 
much greater happiness, love, and connection within the family and in general. True education is the way. I encourage you to do this at any age. Doesn't matter how old you are. Young or old, doesn't matter. As an independent learner, you are already doing true education. If and when you become a parent, I encourage you, homeschool your children. True education for your children. Don't send them to those evil schools. And as always, join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Lots of love to you now, and I'll see you later. Bye.